what would it look like to instead of writing individual job descriptions, what would it look like if you wrote a team job description? Oh, yeah. And you said, here's the team job description, and here's the components of this team we need. And oh, by the way, John or Sally or Sue, you are going to be on this role. So you still have a bit of a job description, I guess. But it's really in the context of a team and context of like the geniuses you need on a particular team to be successful based on, again, a customer-oriented flow of processes and work to be done to sort of make the customer happy. So a customer-oriented, basically, job description versus a HR, let's not get sued-oriented job description built around the team, not built around the individual, and then you drive everyone both equivalent economic incentives towards key output metrics. Okay, welcome to The Consultant on the Coach. I'm here with my good friend, Josh. Hey, how's How it going? Oh, I'm doing well. Been dialing into this working genius. That's right. And I like it even more than I did last week. But you had a really cool insight that leads into our devotion this morning, didn't you? Yeah. No, we, um, for those of you who uh, liked our LinkedIn post, this was coming out, uh, and uh, we appreciate that. And hopefully you're seeing, hopefully you heard last week's episode now and thinking about this week um, as we get these pushed out. But um, we had a great reply from someone named uh, Jessica Lira, who's actually an administrator at the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. She Mm -hmm. kicked back uh, to the post that um, it reminded her of the prayer of St. Ignatius, which rung a bell, but I had to go look it up, you know, in all honesty. But it was really exciting that she did that, because when I was looking without getting into the whole prayer, if you want to look it up, uh, it's the examine prayer, A-E-X-A-M-E-N, examine. Mm and what I have here is, uh, is it's a practice of prayer popularized by St. Ignatius of Loyola in the Catholic Church, for those of you following along, um, that helps us see the ways that God is moving in our daily lives and offers a way to take a few minutes of undistracted quiet midday or evening for prayer. It has several sections. We won't get into the whole thing, but two particular areas I thought were applicable here is um, first about being thankful and this recognition from John 10, uh, John 10, 10, where Jesus says that uh, he came so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And obviously Jesus was talking about a much broader spectrum of spiritual um, abundance, uh, but also I think that applies to the working genius because this is talking about the ways to have abundance in the ways we do our work, for sure. And then the second part uh, of the prayer is also, I think, useful around acknowledging our need for help. Um, recognizing that there's brokenness in the world, there's also brokenness in our relationships and mostly within ourselves. And that ties back to the issues of sin and and sort of needing to hold both these things in tension, right? Where we have recognition of God's desire for us to be abundant and we continue to struggle with brokenness. Um, But that God wants to create a clean heart in us and that's really what the message of Jesus is about. And I thought that was also applicable to the working genius because um, it's recognizing, again, s- small <laughs> small part of the broader spiritual picture. certainly doesn't uh, replace it. But this idea that maybe we have two of the geniuses, but to be successful, we need people with the competencies and the geniuses in every one of the six categories. So what you're telling me is to succeed, you can't do it all by yourself. Exactly. No, and I think that's one of the key messages here, mm-hmm. right, is that if we want to really um, be successful but also feel we're operating at our highest level, you know, obviously spending more time in your geniuses to some degree in your competencies and, and mitigating time and your frustrations. And I think that's, you know, ties to this prayer of examine. So really appreciate um, Jessica sending that into us. And 
um, always happy to take uh, good insights and questions from folks and listening. What I like about that is I already had written my notes down for today's podcast, and then you said that, and I'm, I'm thinking John 10. I'm like, you're right. That does fit in with abundant life. And I, you know, in, in the week that it's been since I first went through the entire book, one of the things I wrote down is energy and joy. And when we're functioning out of our genius, mm-hmm. we will get more energy and joy. Well, mm-hmm. think back to John 10. I came to give abundant. Mm-hmm. I came to give joy. Mm-hmm. It fits together. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's certainly a broader implication around that. So this is, I would say, be careful to not over-index on how much working genius can effectively provide for all of our abundance. Mm-hmm. But there's certainly a slice of life that is considered our work. It's part of, you know, we've done podcasts for those of you following us for a while around work and toil. This redemption work um, that is turning toil result of the fall, for those of you who are new to this, um, from Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and kind of turning it back into work through redemption. So... Um, okay, so I have a problem with it, yep. and I was—I've been uh, debating with my uh, assistant mm-hmm. the the goods and the bad parts regarding the working genius. And one of the things I was talking to my assistant about, and we've been debating back and forth. I'm not so sure the working genius would be as great for a younger employee. Ah, uh, yes. We talked about that last week. We, I said we, the same thing. And we I said agree. the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the reason why mm-hmm. is let's just throw stereotypes. Yep. So if yep. you're over the age of 30, I want everyone to go back to 20-year-old <laughs> you know, self. You know, back in the 60s, they said don't trust anybody over 30. Well, th- there was some, there's some So my wisdom. parents told me over and over again growing up. There is some wisdom there. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm thinking of is, you know, my workforce. If, if you look at my seventy plus employees over my locations, I would say uh, a third of my workforce is under thirty, mm-hmm. or maybe under twenty seven. Mm-hmm. A third is between twenty seven and I'd say forty five, and mm-hmm. another third of my workforce is actually over forty five. So I have mm-hmm. this really nice spectrum of employees across different generations and all have their own strengths and weaknesses and one of the things that I see with younger employees is they sometimes lack discernment mm-hmm. humility yeah <laughs> they're idealistic yeah yeah well I think there's so I think with that so I had a very similar thought uh, reflecting on the working genius this past week and getting a chance to dig into the material some more is there is a, some prerequisites that he sort of glosses over, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about this is a great tool in the tool belt, but it's not uh, what I would consider by any means a comprehensive solution the way that, that sort of the fable makes it sound like. You know, I agree with you. I think there's an issue of base level experience we all need to sort of understand. You know, like this here's an example I was thinking of. I, you know, am really good at helping leaders in particular industries that I know really well, I understand the language and helping them sort of execute on really key initiatives. I probably sit somewhere between like invention and discernment and mm-hmm. somewhere in that space, somewhere between, um, what's the first one? And, uh, activation. Wonder? One, uh, no. Wonder, there's the first second. Enablement. First, enablement and, mm-hmm. um, no, anyhow. That's Tenacity? Okay. No, that's okay. We'll talk about it. <laughs> I'm getting off base here. Wonder, No, discern- no, no, these two are together. Wonder and invention yeah. are one and then he group discernment and galvanizing then he grouped enablement i can't remember what this this is activation in the middle okay this, this was anyhow i helped between those two but for example if you put me in a 
manufacturing plant in Russia where I do not know manufacturing and I do not know Russian, my geniuses would not matter. Okay. Right? So there's some fundamental things you need to be able to speak the language of a particular industry in a particular way. It's experience, right? Mm -hmm. There's experience. So I think that's really important here that sort of gets glossed over is there's a fundamental competency level that folks need to achieve. And some of that just comes through time. Where where we have to be in an industry, whether we're talking manufacturing in Russia or in mine home medical industry or or, understanding healthcare or coffee or whatever one's natural area of business is. Yeah, and and there's certainly skills that cross over. I mean, I've worked in many different types of organizations. So eventually those skills begin to be Mm cross-functional. But you to speak the language, in this case I used an extreme example of a foreign language, but also an industry language. It requires competency, experience. And I would also say, actually, another thing he doesn't get into here is another thing I was thinking about was the importance of passion, mm-hmm. right? You, some, some, you, we just have passion around certain industries, passion about caring for people, healthcare, passion about key things like gaming or coffee or like there's a passion. There doesn't matter what you're working. There's a passion for the output, right, in some way. So I think there's also there's some under there's definitely other dimensions to this that uh, just can't be discounted too much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what you're getting at a little bit. It is. And so let's let let's jump back into last week's example of what this looks like in real life. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some of my ugliness at my business. Our business is in healthcare. It's been blowing up in a really good way to the point where our customers have just been expanding by leaps and bounds. If you were to come in as a consultant, our number one problem is our phones. The number of uh, people calling it takes, uh, we just we just went down. I know why, but we went down. We only answer 58% of our phone calls mm-hmm. in the first 60 minutes as of this this week. Mm-hmm. Goal is 90%. Mm-hmm. Within 90, once you go through the phone tree, mm-hmm. you get a live person within 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. And the goal is way higher than that. We're only at 58% mm-hmm. for a number of different reasons. And we've been working on this for a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. And we've just been treading water. Mm-hmm. Now, we have been answering more calls because our customers have been going up. So we do keep answering more. But the problem is business keeps expanding too. So I'm trying to take the working genius... Yep. So the team lead we have, our team members, our executive teams, looking at wonder, discernment, enablement, invention, galvanizing, and tenacity. How do you fix this problem in a specific business to the point where it's like, how do we answer more phone calls faster? Yeah. So use case for today, how do we answer calls faster as part of the communications Mm -hmm. team? How do you hire and organize the team correctly for both the lead and the staff who's answering the calls? and set them up for success to reach your KPIs. Yep, okay, so that's where we're spending our time today. Um, so whatever, so that's the problem we have today. How do we go about fixing it? Yeah. You know, here's six wonderful types of genius. Mm-hmm. How do you fix it? So here's my take. If we're just applying working genius, setting aside so it's all the other dimensions we talked about, experience, yeah. passion, personality, fit, culture fit, there's a bunch of other places that I think certainly could be used. So let's just use this particular tool. Let's assume it's a screwdriver we need and it's a screw we're screwing it in, right? <laughs> it's Phillips. Yeah. I think there's two things in the book I think we can talk about. Because I did take this and was thinking about this use case. Um, on page 201 in the paper book, 
for those of you reading paper. <laughs> it's probably about 90% in for those of you reading on the Kindle or some similar uh, digital version. Uh, there's a nice um, recognition of how, and again, I think this is simplistic. So again, I'm not, this is not a commentary on how good or bad this is, we're just applying it. Um, if we moved from the scale of 30,000 feet down to 5,000 feet or mm -hmm. at the ground level of the organization. Or runway. Right. Yeah. We're showing. So runway is the actual phone call coming in yep. in lifetime. Yep. Yeah. So if we used, looked at it from that perspective, you need people who have probably a high, it, the individuals need to have high tenacity and to some degree enablement because they're helping the people, the people who are calling in a high degree of tenacity. They're doing frontline work, very clear process oriented work probably with very clear instructions and education. You don't need people wondering. You don't need people inventing. No. You don't need people discerning. You don't need people galvanizing. No. Now, what I would suggest then, if we're applying that, if you look over on what is the team productivity and map on or 207, the team map, excuse me, a couple pages later, if you can begin to place people in here, you're looking for the team members to be on the bottom, I think. Mostly tenacity, a little bit of enablement. That's, if that's the sweet spot. And then my guess is you want to have a team lead who's a G and an E, a galvanizer and an enabler. Mm. So in that case, you get someone who's really wanting and passionate about rallying the troops, being the communications folks, around the key processes they, they need to tenaciously deliver. <laughs> but you're <laughs> and right. And they're enabling the, the communicators, the people on the phones, while those communication folks should be enabling the people they're talking to and sort of pushing everything to the So let me line. say this back to you and I think I, I think you hit it spot on. So those so we have a you know the runway phone calls coming in and mm -hmm. someone's asking for their CPAP supplies or their oxygen, you name it. They've got it the to ask to do it because yep. you're calling an organization or whether you're even a plumber, you've got to pick that up and say hi Eric's plumbing here. Yep. They have a problem that needs to be fixed. So the base level, those answering need to have tenacity and enablement. Enablement being, hey, I'm going to get you your product that you have asked for. Yep. And I'm going to push it all the way to the finish. I'm not going to leave it for, unless there's someone else they're pushing that order to. They need to see it all the way through to the end, I assume. And, right? Or at least understand how the process goes because if something happens, then it needs to yeah. get. Now, I would say if you had someone who is enablement as a, as a, um, when we're talking about this, is you had someone with enablement as a genius, but at least tenacity as a competency, that would be sufficient. Mm -hmm. But I suspect for that role, you mostly are going to want geniuses in those two categories, at least okay. one, if not both. And you're going to want your team lead to also be on the bottom end of that scale, uh, to having tenacity, but also um, galvanizing. So I've been working on this problem over a year, mm -hmm. and I'm going to agree with you because some of my team members who haven't necessarily cut it lacked in tenacity mm -hmm. in other words they've given up halfway through or mm -hmm. they got really excited hey we're going to fix this problem mm -hmm. they might have had the gift of invention mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then they gave up they moved on to something else mm -hmm. i'm like oh i think you're right josh yeah well and here's another thought for you is <clears throat> Here's another wild idea that came up over the weekend, inventing, mm -hmm. uh, as I was uh, <laughs> prone to do. Well, two, two, two steps here where this makes me think is, is if you're hiring for different geniuses mm -hmm. for the team lead versus the team member, one of the distortions in our market-based society is we tend to pay more for a team lead 
instead of a team member. And also you potentially are getting people, like like I talked about in the book, you get people who are really, really good at tenacity and enablement, but then because they're so good at it, they get promoted into a role of galvanizing. That's not what they're good at, and so they struggle. Mm-hmm. Vice versa, you don't get your galvanizers promoted because they're not doing really, really good at tenacity. And what if you actually were able to equalize the pay for those roles so there wasn't an economic incentive to drive someone to the team lead just because they're a different genius? Well, and you can't jump yeah. geniuses. Mm-hmm. You can't no. go from one to next. Well, I'd argue you might be able to, but that's a different. Uh, but according to the book, you can't. Yeah, and so what that's I like about that, though, it, he, he really asks, what, let's go back to our where we started. What gives you life? Mm-hmm. What gives you joy? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've uh, so the very first time I took the working genius, it said one of my gifts was discernment. Mm-hmm. It's not. I had to. I actually sat down with a uh, mm, working genius specialist. They're like, "Nope, you tested high on discernment." Now let's put my coach hat on. Mm-hmm. I am very high in discernment because I have a lot of trauma in my background, and I've had to raise my discernment mm-hmm. to protect. You have a very me. high level of competency here on that, and I'm very good at discernment. I hate it. Mm. Give me my cabin by myself. Mm -hmm. I don't want to discern who is good, who is Mm -hmm. bad, what you know. Uh, You name it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is is what I would like. Oh, interesting. But I'm very good at discernment. I do not. If you were to hire me to be a discerner, I would be miserable. Yeah. I would would quit. Yeah. Well, and and the other thing I thought of, too, is, is, is like, what would it look like to instead of writing individual job descriptions... What would it look like if you wrote a team job description? Oh, yeah. And you said, here's a team job description. And here's the components of this team we need. And oh, by the way, John or Sally or Sue, you are going to be on this role. So you still have a bit of a job description, I guess. But it's really in the context of a team and context of like the geniuses you need on a particular team to be successful based on, again, a customer-oriented flow of processes and work to be done to sort of make the customer happy so a mm-hmm. customer oriented basically job description versus a hr let's not get sued oriented job description built around the team not built around the individual and then you drive everyone both equivalent economic incentives towards key output metrics now that'd be interesting f- well for example on this we do have a team I'm job wondering de- now. We, on this one we do have a team job description this is what it's going to look like we have key key KPIs because the goal is you get a phone call coming in it gets delivered it gets Mm -hmm. paid everyone wins not only do we make money but the customer is delighted because they got what they needed to stay mobile in their house or whatever that looks like now as 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 we look at that though I would say that for every one project you need all six even for this communications team uh, at least figuring things out because you do need to have wonder and invention. To sure, out once what you that looks yes, like. yeah. And I thought you meant more to the operationalizing of the team. No, not Got on it. that. Got it. So where so where in the process would you imagine fitting those other geniuses into working with that team? Uh, on the planning side of things, yeah. You know, cause, and that's what we're doing is where you'd have sure. an executive jump in or one of our trainer who's really really good at enablement is sure. what she is great at. So, but I would say the base level, you've got to have the tenacity to pick the mm-hmm. phone call up mm-hmm. you know one of our things is you once you hear it ring you have two rings to pick that thing up ideally mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is tenacity mm-hmm. um yeah and that was actually another thought i had of, of like i appreciate that there's six geniuses but the again economic realities of the world we live in 
you need a lot more people practicing enablement and tenacity in terms of there's like a pyramid of org charts, right? Mm -hmm. And you have a lot more people on those front lines, any industry really, who need to practice those. And so, so how do you, how do we think about the geniuses in terms of how many people have which ones, right? How do those equally distribute across the spectrum of society, mm -hmm. right? And, and sort of the worker population. And I would say we have to be using at least one of our geniuses to be happy at work. Yeah, no, no, no. But I mean, in terms of there's, I would guess if everyone has two, effectively, that means a third of the population has each genius. Is it equally distributed like that? That's a good question. I have no idea you on know, that, but or, you would hope. I don't no, know, right? Don't know. That, does, that, does that work? Or do you need to have a larger population with tenacity and enablement so they're sitting at the front line executing on the process? He's not sitting thinking about how it could be. Now, I'm not going to do this. What you need to do is you need to take the top work. You need to take the six types of working genius and track people at the age of 20, uh -huh. at 30, that's at another, 40, yes, over and 50. That's and an now overtime. let's trend this. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Over time. I'm not going to do it. No, no, no. But, it's a good idea, though. Um, We'll throw that out one, there one of you, I'll let you figure this thing out because then you'll have the data to say, hey, this is spot on, and now let's reform our education system. Right. Well, that's, uh, now see, we're getting big. Into okay. okay. Uh, do we have the gift of invention? <laughs> yeah, that is one of my two. I think, I? I think mine too. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> yeah, by the way, I wrote your two down. It's really funny. So I wrote well, you down. think you know? I'm gonna I, I think I know yours. Prelude. We're going to take it in two weeks. Okay. I'm going to take a gift. Guess. Okay. I have not heard you. So I haven't taken been, mine yet. I've been friends of yours for over 10 years. My guess of your two genius is discernment and invention. That's funny. I don't think I have discernment at all. Can I tell you why? Yeah, please. Because when you so naturally see discernment, like you walk into a room and you can read the entire room. It's amazing, which is also why you're an amazing consultant. And you sometimes get, sometimes, you get frustrated when people can't read the room like you. Yeah. And you're just, uh, you, you'll walk into a cross-country meet. I see everything. I'm like, I don't have that gift. I'm good at it because I get yelled at by the parents. You see everything. You walk into a company, you're like, oh, I just met with seven people and here's the problem and this is how we're going to fix it. You have the gift of discerning. But do you like it? That's where I was sitting here thinking. Or is it a competency? I, I think it's it might be a competency because of the scars I have from... Oh, so you're like me. Might be. It might be. And not in terms of like, and I don't know personal, personal stuff, but I know professional stuff. I got absolutely whipped. I mean, whipped emotionally. Uh, by early jobs in not having good discernment. Mm. So I do, I, I mean, I'm curious. So well, you might be like me where someone's maybe. like, hey, Eric, here's your gift. Yeah. And you're like, no, I've just been beaten in this corner. Yeah, it's no, not fun. You have to be good at it to survive, right? So it's a competency. I don't think it's a frustration. Certainly, but it could be. I mean, I've done a lot of product market fit work too, which I enjoy in sort of helping poke holes and, and help refine products to okay, make we'll them better. Okay, we'll so, dial into that yeah, in two, two, weeks. Weeks. two weeks. But my guess is discernment and invention. So we'll okay. see what we'll that see. looks like. Because a lot of this is those listening to this, you want to know what your list of genius is because you want to spend most of your time. Um, for me, wonder and invention. I could spend all day long in that. Yeah. And I think there's a convenience factor there, right? You have to be, at least in our society today, maybe this is a problem with society, but you have to build enough experience and rapport and authority that you can spend your days in that too, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I'm not sure how many people are going to 
pay a 22 year old kid to spend all day in wonder and invention when they have no experience with which to build upon you know what i mean like that's the silicon question. valley yes well uh, in the right particular role but in mm-hmm. terms of just the broad and maybe that's a societal problem maybe we should be better at that i know in the fable they were good about i think it was max they tried to pull him into that uh broader role of i think wonder or invention so So from a coaching perspective looking at all six of these so this 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 communications problem that we're using as an example i not only do i do external coaching i do internal coaching i am coaching those internally Mm -hmm. who do oversee this problem and this has been fascinating because what a good coach does and why i love the six types of working genius is they understand how everything fits together mm-hmm. and you, you see a good coach uh we're in see outside of seattle like a pete carroll carroll he understands how to motivate people if you understand the six types of working genius you can slowly pull on the levers it's not just about calling the right play mm-hmm. it's about leading people to understand what's their genius Mm -hmm. and then giving them a chance to succeed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and but sometimes it's also allowing them into their area of frustration because and this is where we were talking earlier let's pick on a 23 year old male Mm -hmm. might be idealistic a good coach we can tell them the answer but a good coach will probably get more in the long run by allowing them to carefully go into a frustration come up against the wall and then coming to their answer by themselves yep yep um and they get there yeah all on their own so so can, what can we expect from you in a report back maybe in two weeks can you give an assessment to all your communications folks see what you think absolutely okay and and, and this gets into how we're gonna one of the things i plan on doing with this is like okay what does this look like on my leadership team at okay. least all uh, all 12 managers, I use the term leader instead of manager, but all of my 12 managers, mm-hmm. leaders, where are they strong, mm-hmm. competent, and lacking? Absolutely. And then how does that translate down to the base level to the person who calls the number and says, hey, I just need oxygen delivered to my house? Yeah, and I think per the, per the book, you definitely want to have a diversity across the six for your leadership team. But I, I think based on our conversation today and my reading of the book, you definitely want a strong skew to a process-oriented frontline key to you know, mm-hmm. enablement tenacity for a kind of process group like that, I think. But, you know, see, play with it. See what comes back. So next week, yeah, life application. Mm-hmm. So we, today we mm-hmm. talked, hey, communication, business at work. I think the other part... And you see this in the book. He's talking, this is what it would look like at a church meeting mm-hmm. that he would go to. Mm-hmm. Let's let's apply it to life. Mm-hmm. What does this look like outside of work, whether mm-hmm. it is you are a coach to your kid's team, mm-hmm. whether it's a volunteer opportunity, mm-hmm. or whether you want to just in your free time go hike the Pacific Crest Trail. How mm-hmm. are you going to utilize the six mm-hmm. types of working genius for that? Let's not forget our marriages. Even more. We don't have to talk to them in great specific detail, but I think that there, there was some good applications there, right? Of how to like basically identify where you both have a frustration, and so mm-hmm. for maybe you actually hire out some help. Ooh, this is good. Right? I'm gonna have to sit on this for the weekend. Yeah, it was. A, I thought it was a great, a great application. In addition to the mm-hmm. other ones you mentioned. So next week, the six types of working genius as we apply it oh, to our life. Kids too. Yeah. Kids. Ooh. Yeah. That's messy. <laughs> that's why people love us. <laughs> well, hey. Until then. Go to theconsultantofthecoach.com or like Josh said, reach out to us on LinkedIn and ask us a really good question or this is how I see things applying in our business or life. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, see you guys next week. Take care.